We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast today. My name is Steven. I am your host. Uh, coming to you live on a Saturday morning for our usual Saturday uh, pre-game wrap-up of our coverage for the Chargers and Seahawks game. Uh, joining me to do so are my guys, Alex and Tyler. We have a special guest today on the Saturday show, uh, Mr. Arjun here. We're going to do a quick little edition of Chargers Analytics at some point in this show. So, Excited to have Arjun on today. Arjun, I just have one question. Why do you hate DJ Moore so much? Dude, I, I, you know, he went to Maryland, so obviously he's a rival <laughs> of, of Michigan, right? So I can't have him on the squad. And um, yeah, it was <laughs> for the past, now it's been like 12 hours. It's been a, it's been a back and forth affair with a couple characters on Twitter. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure we're probably going to get a lot of questions about that at some point. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure as the trade deadline gets closer, we'll, we'll continue to get questions about that. Um, you know, it's all good fun, obviously, but, uh, if it were me, I probably would not, uh, go at some pro football focus guys about salary cap information, but that's just me. Um, Alex and Tyler here as well. Alex, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing this morning? Uh, doing good. I guess it's afternoon for you. I, I, yeah, yep. it's 1 PM for you. It's so, 1 PM, uh, 1 PM. Yep. <laughs> Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing this morning for you where it is 10 AM? Uh, it is 10 a.m. over here, um, and things are going great at 10 a.m. Really good. Yeah, should be a good morning. Excited to watch the uh, UCLA and Oregon game later on today. Uh, Utah and Michigan both on a bye. I don't know what Rutgers is doing these days, but... Uh, I don't know what Rutgers is doing either. I give up. 
<laughs> nice, nice. Uh, as we always do, we will talk about the latest uh, around the Chargers injuries. Unfortunately, uh, a bit of an extensive week in that regard for the Chargers. Um, you know, first and foremost, it sounds like Keenan Allen is about a 50-50 chance to play this week. Uh, I was laughing at his quote earlier when he said that it's up to God. So uh, I don't I don't really know what the point of that is, Keenan, but uh, we'll see what happens here. Um, you know, it, it sounded like earlier in the week that he was potentially not going to play this week. Now there's a chance. He said that he feel, he feels better. Was a little sore in the week, but he feels better. Uh, was sounded like he was a full participant in practice yesterday. So, uh, Tyler, do you ultimately ultimately expect Keenan to play tomorrow? Uh, and even if he's on a snap count, what are you kind of expecting from him if he does play? <sighs> Maybe if God doesn't let him play, he'll tweet at God saying, WTF are we doing here? Um, <laughs> as far as Keenan playing goes, it might be limited, but frankly, whether he plays or not, it doesn't really move the needle for me. Like this guy is barely making it to this game. Yes, he's questionable, but they don't want to have him have another setback. If he plays, it's minimal, and I'm happy to see him out there as he gets more reps before the bye than heading into the game against Atlanta. But it's going to be so minimal. And unless there's a point where you just can't get Keenan off the field because he just doesn't want to, and the team is behind or whatever, and we're not going to see him that much. Mike Williams is the feature. They're going to sign Michael Benny. They're going to try to feature Carter or something. Um, doesn't really move the needle for me. Um, he's not playing that much if he plays at all. Someone put the, the brothel comment on the screen for a reason. <laughs> I didn't put that on the screen. I didn't either. All right, well, good stuff. <laughs> um, Arjun, do you expect Keenan to play tomorrow? And if he uh, does, what are you kind of expecting there? Um, I, I don't think he plays tomorrow. I think I personally would not want him to play, honestly, but I don't think he plays just based on how Staley's kind of treated his guys. And I think, like Keenan said, it's like 50-50, but like earlier in the week, um, didn't he say like it, it was like I'd rather – like yeah. make the decision for long-term health. I think he said it to that NFL reporter, Bridget Condon. Um, so don't really expect him to play. If he does play, it says he's going to be on a snap count. So just bring him in for the inevitable third and one, third and two that the Chargers always find themselves in and, you know, let him let him eat against Terry Coolin or whoever the Seahawks match up against him. Yeah, um, it sounds like it'd be Kobe Bryant mostly in the slot, but um, we'll see there. Alex, I guess we'll you know we'll kind of pivot here to you know what the Chargers are going to do without Keenan Allen, and obviously Josh Palmer is out as well with the concussion. Um, sounded like Brandon Staley indicated that they are going to sign Michael Bandy to the active roster, but then you know potentially elevating Joe Reed or John Hightower. Well, what are we what are we doing tomorrow with the Chargers wide receiver room? If it's, it's if it's up to you, Alex, kind of what's the what's the game plan here with uh, Mike Williams, DeAndre Carter, Michael Bandy, like this hodgepodge group of Jason Moore who can't play on offense either. So, uh, what are you doing tomorrow with the receivers? Uh, hope Mike Williams has 150 yards. <laughs> I mean, that's probably what they have to do, right? Um, and I think, in all fairness, considering what the last game was with Sertan, just clearly blanketing Mike Williams the whole game, um, this should be a much more beneficial matchup against the Seattle secondary, even if they have Tariq Woolen and like some of these guys who have you know played well in the secondary. I do think Mike Williams has a very favorable matchup here. Um, 
But the depth behind him, um, DeAndre Carter's wide receiver too, I guess, uh, not in the way I would have wanted. And we've already kind of talked about, you know, DeAndre Carter already having to do a little bit too much more than someone who was brought in to be a kick returner slash wide receiver should do. Uh, and then I, I guess you have Bandy and Moore and Reed and like these litany of guys behind those two. Um, so, I mean, really what you're probably realistically getting is a lot of Austin Eckler. You're getting a lot of Sony Michelle probably in uh, passing sets too. Uh, with Joshua Kelly out, which is not something that I want, uh, but it's probably something they have to do. And um, Donald Parham is out of this game as well. Uh, and so you're getting a lot of Gerald Everett. And so I don't know, like this is a very bare bones offense at this point, And they're just kind of limping into the bye, hoping they can sneak out uh, another win here. But I don't know if there's a lot the Chargers can do other than just kind of hope the Seattle secondary doesn't play as well as the Denver secondary, which is a realistic expectation. Yeah, I definitely don't expect, you know, the, the Seahawks to play as well. Um, you know, Kobe Bryant, I mentioned, he's he's a fine slot corner. He's a rookie, but he's still giving up a lot of yards. Tariq Woolen has the splash plays, also giving up a lot of yards himself. So um, theoretically, like you should be expecting a good Mike Williams game. So. You know, we I said on uh, our preview show, like you, you have to just take what you did against Houston with Mike Williams and just copy paste that into this week and just feed him. And I do think that, you know, they left a lot of meat on the bone with Mike Williams last week against the Broncos. Certainly you're not going to, you know, do the usual things, you know, slants and fade routes against Patrick, Patrick Sertan. But, yeah, I just felt like they left so much meat on the bone with his usage last week. Um, so we'll see what happens there in, in terms of like pure roster construction. I know that they don't want to put Joshua Kelly on IR. Brandon Staley said as much, you know, with the bye week coming up next week, I don't think they have a choice. Like, I, I think you have to put Joshua Kelly on injured reserve to give you some roster flexibility, because what are you, what are you going to do otherwise in terms of elevations, right? Are you going to have Otito and Christian Covington inactive? Are you going to make, you know, Eamon Ogbongwamiga inactive, and that's going to hurt your special teams ability. So to me, the simple answer here is put Joshua Kelly on short-term IR, and then you sign Michael Bandy to the active roster, and then four weeks from now you kind of reassess. Or you could cut Jason Moore, you know, since you won't use him on offense. So <laughs> I don't know. Like, I almost wish that they had the roster flexibility to just be able to, like, treat this like a preseason game and just activate Joe Reed, activate John Hightower, activate Keelan Doss, and just see who sticks. See if anybody of those guys can make a play. But, you know, they have too many injured guys right now. So, um, you know, Daniel Popper as well kind of echoed the same thoughts that it's going to be Michael Bandy and then Joe Reed because he has some chemistry with Justin Herbert who get a call up. And I and I hope we see Joe Reed, whether that's just as a returner, give DeAndre Carter some, some plays off. But I hope Joe Reed gets an opportunity to play at least like 10 snaps tomorrow, but I doubt it. <laughs> it depends. There's one receiver. I don't know who it is, but one of these receivers is going to be unused and useless and maybe get two snaps. And that's about it. I think that ends up being Joe Reed. But I'm a little curious if they just for one game, because Carter is doing so much on offense, if Joe Reed is potentially their kickoff returner this game. Maybe not punt returner, but in terms of kickoff return, give Carter a few snaps off. I could see it. To me, I don't think it really matters if, or 
I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but as long as the Seahawks are kicking the ball in the end zone, regardless of who's the kicker turner, they should be taking a touchback. Um, but yeah, I think I think I think Steven said it best. Like Carter's been doing a lot, and like when he has taken the ball out from the end zone, it really hasn't been that pretty. So I wouldn't mind a a switch to Joe Reed. Um, you know, but again, if if the Seahawks are giving us a touchback and as five point favorites in this game, they should uh they should be taking the t- easy twenty five yards. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I messaged the guys here. I, I'm i kind of over DeAndre Carter as a starter. I know that they're, you know, he's been a great story for the Chargers. I just don't think that he really does enough as a receiver to really be an effective starter. And they're also asking him to block a ton because, yeah. you know, that's what slot receivers do in the NFL today. So um, it's not pretty watching him as a run blocker. Like, it, it, you know, if you're going to have Jason Moore on this roster – at least like give him some run blocking snaps and and take that away from DeAndre Carter as well. But um, you know, Carter has had some really good moments for sure, but they're going to be asking him to do so much to be wide receiver two this week, punt returner, kick returner. I just think that he needs something has to give with DeAndre Carter. He needs a break somewhere. And if that's return duties, you know, obviously Michael Bandy can return punts as well. Um, but he's just not efficient right now. And frankly, I think he's just gassed like because he's doing so much for this team. Yeah, um, I, I think it's a fair point to sort of be over DeAndre Carter because none of us want DeAndre Carter to be the wide receiver too. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we envisioned this wide receiver unit to be Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Jalen Guyton, Josh Palmer, and DeAndre Carter, right? You know, at the beginning of the season. Um, and so that involved DeAndre Carter being the wide receiver four slash five, um, however you want to put it. Uh, in addition to his kick returner responsibilities. And right now he's clearly doing a lot more than that. And so at this point, the Chargers are kind of just shuffling the deck chairs on the Titanic when it comes to the wide receiver room because they're they're just you know trying to make stuff work when it clearly kind of doesn't. Um, I kind of wouldn't mind bringing in Doss or Hightower or any of the guys from the practice squad that like haven't gotten a chance yet just to see what they can do. Um, but yeah, at this point, it's pretty, I don't know. Like I almost passed Bandy. Like I think it's almost pointless to talk about the wide receivers because it's just going to be like whoever just gets open and Justin won't throw the ball there. Like so yeah. uh, at this point, um, yeah. I so I totally understand being over DeAndre Carter, but at the same time, like I, I don't know what the guy can do. At they don't this have point a choice, because, right? They don't have a know, choice. Yeah, responsibility. Yeah. Um, so from a tight end perspective, obviously, obviously Donald Parham being out, it, it's pretty straightforward. Richard Rodgers will play, probably play a lot more. Um, and then from a running back perspective, you know, Isaiah Spiller is going to make his debut from the season, um, which I think a lot of people are rightfully excited about. I, you know, me particularly, I wish that they would give, I, or not wish, I hope that they give him uh, a pretty decent role from a pass catching perspective. I, I can't imagine that he's going to steal a ton of carries away from Sony Michelle. Um, but I do hope that they give him some passing down work. So um, Tyler, we'll start with you there. What are you expecting from uh, this Sony Michelle, Isaiah Spiller split and uh, Spiller's debut in particular? I think fans will be disappointed by the number of touches Spiller gets. Like he was literally competing. We expect at least with Larry Roundtree to see if he even get to this spot. And he did, win it out whatever that means at the same time i don't know if they're going to involve him all that much i mean we haven't seen you know we either see kelly disappear or michelle not get any touches or whatever somebody's always kind of been the odd man out even if they've had three guys and only three guys active that third guy 
you know, what did Kelly get some weeks? Two touches. I think he had one attempt or two attempts in the Jacksonville game. Yeah, so whoever the RB3 yeah. is. Yeah, so they're not going to touch their Spiller. Assuming Spiller is the RB3, and I think he is. He's not going to get that many touches. And like I think we do have to remember that his, his preseason average was 2.8 yards per carry. Um, not that, that it's all his fault. You know, some runs against Dallas, they weren't blocking so hot. Um, but it's not like he was as a world beater. I just want to see him in the role that I think he's what they project him as, what they used him in camp as, and what he's probably best suited as right now. That's as a receiver. Sony Michelle is not a receiving back. And we've seen him do great stuff in pass pro. He ran really hard against uh, Denver on Monday. But as a receiver, that ain't much for him. You can do a bit more with Spiller. They did do more with Spiller in training camp. So I, I hope they use him as a receiver. But frankly, I think it's like three touches, four touches, maybe unless somebody gets hurt. Um, it will be probably a shootout. So maybe there are more opportunities for him to be on the field. Um, at the same time, I don't know if they trust him in pass protection. I don't see why they wouldn't. I don't recall that being an issue in camp or in, in uh, the preseason. Um, but I don't, I don't know if they trust him in pass protection yet. And I don't think they trust him over Sony Michelle. So again, I know people are really excited, but I think this is a, uh, you know, dip your toes in the water, less than five touches kind of game. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think it could be a little bit more than that, but I think if we break down what the carries are by the end of this game or, you know, what the snap counts are by the end of this game, you probably have something like Eckler playing 65, 70. You probably have Sonny Michelle playing 20, 25%. And then you have Spiller at five or 10% probably. Um, so yeah, uh, outside of that, I don't think we should expect much from Spiller, but I, I'd like to see something different. Um, and if they do feel at some point in this game, Sony Michelle starts to struggle, then I could see maybe a change being made a little bit later in the game. Um, but at this point, I, I think that that's probably what we're headed for. I think Tyler's being generous. I don't really think it's going to be a shootout with how many offensive injuries there are for the Chargers. And I mean, Tyler Lockett hasn't practiced all week. Um, but I think like, I, I think Tyler said it best. Like it's going to come down to pass pro that. And like, that was the one thing when I was watching that Broncos game where I was like, Eckler and Sony Michelle are really taking on these linebackers. Like, well, like there was a, a lot of times, like it seemed like Broncos had a free rusher right up the middle and Eckler and Michelle would kind of stonewall them. And I don't know if, I don't know if Spiller is ready for that. And like, that's kind of like my yeah. thing where I feel like they should only be using him on, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'd want to see him run the ball, but um, use him in just passing situations where he's not blocking, where he's going to be running a route immediately, or manufacture a screen to him, something like that. Just get him in space, um, because in pass pro, like we don't, we just don't know if he's ready. Obviously, we didn't really see much in the preseason, right? Um, but I think like when it comes to like running play action, you're probably not going to see him in there because running backs are mostly pass, pass protecting there. So. Um, I, I think it, it will be interesting to see how many touches he gets. I think I'm leaning with Alex and Tyler, where it's probably going to be less than five, even like less than 5% of the snaps. But um, yeah, I think it's going to come down to how much they trust him in pass protection. Yeah, you know, I think that's a spot on point. I remember that article from uh, Daniel Popper, where he was kind of highlighting the pass protection standpoint. And, um, you know, Derek Foster, the running backs coach, highlighted that that Spiller definitely wants to be good at pass protection. He definitely has the desire to, there were some good reps. You know, he had a couple of good reps against Calvin Oy in particular. Uh, Foster told Daniel Popper, but there were a lot of misses as well. And and that's to be, you know, that's understandable. And there was in the all-in video, there was that thing with 
uh, Joshua Kelly last year in the preseason game against Seattle, where he thought that he had to go outside and, and he kind of ended up chipping for no reason when a linebacker and a safety came up the middle and sacked Chase Daniel. And then, you know, Joshua Kelly's on the sideline. Was that my guy? Was that my guy? And Derek Foster was like, yeah, that was, that was your guy. So a lot of pass protection is mental. And I'm glad you pointed that out. Arjun with Sony and Austin Eckler, they were both incredible on Monday night in pass protection. Um, you know, there were multiple reps where both of them just, you know, hit Singleton or hit, um, I forget the other night, Jonas Griffith, Griffith I think his mm-hmm. name is, um, takes them head on. And both of them had a lot of quality reps and pass protection and they needed that. So, you know, I tweeted this, but you could tell when the Broncos like figured out like, Hey, like there's Corey Lindsay's not in this game and he's not coming back. And they just started sending, you know, everything out towards the middle for, you know, all of their, uh, past defense scheme. So, um, thankfully Corey Lindsay will be back this week after having food poisoning. So pass protection, big issue for sure. Um, I think that's it for chargers injury discussions. Um, as far as I know, I mean, there's some other people who are banged up. There was a Sebastian Joseph day ankle injury and late in the game, you could see him kind of limping off, but, um, he's playing. So I guess it's not that big of a deal. So, um, Arjun, if you want to pull up your, uh, analytics presentation, we'll get to that. Um, and then we're going to do our weekly picks. Um, and then we'll kind of wrap it up with our, uh, some, we'll take some questions if we have time and, and give some final thoughts on this matchup. So, um, no, no baseball talk in the chat. This is, this isn't, this yeah, is not football. a baseball time. Oh, sorry. No, I, ignore <laughs> me. I'm trolling Padres fans. Just ignore me. No, you're good. You're good. I get it. Padres versus Phillies has been fun. Um, all right. So we'll, uh, I'll add Arjun's analytics, uh, presentation here to the screen and then, uh, we'll do, we'll get some, uh, intel on this, uh, matchup from the Chargers and Seahawks game. Okay. Um, you guys can, you guys have my thing up on the screen. Yep. Okay. So, um, you know, I, I'm going to go through a couple of things like outside of the report I put together. Cause I think like it's, it's meaningful. So first off the, the chargers have been awful versus the blitz this year. So you can see they rank 30th in offensive EPA versus the blitz, um, which is like really, really bad. Uh, the good thing for the chargers is the Seahawks are dead last when they blitz. Um, so <laughs> it's kind of like one of those, like, like unstoppable force meets another unstoppable force, or in this case it's the opposite of that. Right. So an immovable um, object meets an immovable object. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Um, but, but yeah, so, you know, I think part of this reason is just charges don't have anyone that can get open when teams blitz, right? Like that's usually Keenan Allen's role, but you know, Mike Williams is not that guy. Palmer hasn't been that guy. So um, obviously I think this is a Keenan Allen related stat and, you know, it's a good way to point out how much Keenan Allen means to this offense. But then again, you know, when the Seahawks do it, it's not, it's not very impressive at all. And just looking at the Seahawks, they rank 20th in EPA per play. Um, when teams splits against them, they they, you know, do tend to have a negative outcome on average. So, uh, you know, the chargers blitz has been like pretty effective so far in, in 2022. Uh, we saw them kind of just tear up that Broncos offensive line, but um, I'm sure Steven can talk a little bit about like how the Seahawks offensive line has kind of improved, right? Yeah, well, I would also say that, you know, it's a Keenan Allen stat for the Chargers, but it's also Corey Lindsley's stat as well. Oh, yeah. You know, the, the Jaguars and the Broncos both just feasted against the the Chargers front without him. So 
Um, you know, from the from the Seahawks perspective, right? They they have the two rookie offensive tackles who are playing well, but they're still rookie offensive tackles. Um, they'll have some issues there, especially against Khalil Mack. But I, I think you'll see them kind of go after this interior Seahawks offensive line because um, they're fine. Like they they don't really have like a true difference maker. Um, I don't think they have like a, a, a weak link tomato can either. Um, but you know, we'll see what happens there. I think Gabe Jackson is officially out if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Um, so they'll have a backup guard in there. Their center is again, he's, he's kind of middle of the pack and so is their other guard, Damian Lewis. So, um, I, I think we'll see a, a very similar game plan from the chargers like we saw against the Broncos where you're going to do some great things with Derwin James, Calvin Noy and Drew Tranquil, Kenneth Murray. Um, and be able to to kind of get after. There was this one play that I was really laughing about from the Chargers' perspective because they love obviously bringing Derwin like off the edge. Yeah. And there was one time where they brought him off the edge. They had uh, Tranquil on that side and Mac, and the Broncos slid everything to the left. Oh, yeah. And then Derwin <laughs> dropped to the flat, and Tranquil dropped back to the middle, probably like a hook defender. And um, the t- there was a tight end over there. And then the left guard and the center were over there and they were just blocking nobody. And then uh, I think Sebastian Joseph Day ended up getting pressure on the opposite side. But it was funny. Like you could tell that the Chargers, uh, their blitz packages were really messing with the Broncos last week. I think they messed with everyone, to be honest. Their <laughs> designer blitz packages are awesome. Um, they really are. Okay. So next thing, just kind of looking at um, some offensive stuff outside of like the EPA stuff we normally use. So this is how often do NFL offenses convert a first down based on you know the down and um the distance or just the down so the problem with the chargers offense is like has always been their early down success so they're definitely like they they do convert first downs at a above average rate but they convert first downs on first down at a very below average rate so you can see the chargers their third their third down to first down conversion rate is or they convert first downs on third downs on at the second highest rate, just behind our friends, you know, the Cincinnati Bengals. So, <laughs> um, you know, 25% of their first downs have been, you know, converted on, on, on third down, which is, it's just too much, right? Like you look at some of the top teams, like uh, bills and chiefs are converting first downs on 25% of their plays, 23% of their plays. Like all of these teams are in the mid twenties, high twenties. And now you have any of the chargers at 20%. So I don't, you know, again, I don't really know how to fix these offensive issues without Keenan Allen. And, you know, I, I just want to see what this offense looks like when they're, when they're at full health. And, you know, for the Seahawks, they're, at, they're in a very similar boat, except they do very well on first down, not as well on second down, and they're they're solid on third down. Um, so any – and do you guys have any big takeaways from this one? Yeah, do you happen to know how Seattle converts on first down? Was it through the air, on the ground? I know they kind of have a banged-up running back room, but wasn't sure if you knew. Um, I mean, I, I, I think I would assume mostly on through the air. I don't think they're – I have their um, EPA right here. So I, I would assume mostly through the air, Gino's been, you know, pretty good. Um, so yeah, if we look at their placement on the graph, they're above average in EPA per dropback. So on passing plays, and they're kind of at league average when it comes to rushing the ball on early downs. I actually think like this would be a good graph to to show. So, so yeah, Gino, you can see is up and to the right of this graph. So he's, very, very good on early downs, pretty much averaging like 0.25 EPA per play on first and second down. So that's kind of where I'd expect most of their um, production to come from. And that uh, that Justin Herbert placement hurts. That hurts my eyes and my soul. 
Look at that. That's that's yeah. the cluster right there. Yeah. I, well, and I guess the Seahawks also being kind of one of these like really good teams on first and second down maybe helps the Chargers a little bit in terms of their struggles to get off the field on third down. So, I mean, if they can at least yeah. force them to a third down, that might be a thing. But yeah, that that. OK, Um, I saw Herbert next to uh, Wentz and I think we can move on. <laughs> well, we can zoom in here and we see Gino next to Allen's and Mahomes and Allen and Mahomes and we can. No, start. but that's that's correct, actually. Yeah. And that's the thing, like, <laughs> like Gino has been absolutely nails on third down. So like even if you Chargers get the Seahawks into these like third and long situations, it's like it's not a guarantee that, it's, that the Chargers are going to get oh, no. stops. And I mean, it's never a guarantee with this Chargers defense no. they're going to get a stop. Third and 13 and yeah. you know, JC Jackson's holding Cortland Sutton, which that was just I, I yeah. kind of had a bad feeling for JC after that one. Um, but but yeah, so just looking at defense real quick, this is how often defenses allow a conversion on first down. So again, this is like the problem with the Chargers defense. Like they sometimes allow a lot of first downs on first down, like 26%. They've allowed a first down on 26% of their first downs. Like that is one of the highest marks in the league like that probably rank, ranks in the top five where they do have a lot of successes they're pretty good on on second down and you know to their credit they have been really good on third downs at, at times and i think part of that is, is playing guys like russell wilson who just can't get off the field uh or yeah can't yeah can't stay on the field um but but yeah like the chargers defenses i think been pretty solid um in games where like they they've needed to step up the Seahawks defense, on the other hand, is an absolute privilege. And, you know, that's kind of why they're <laughs> at the bottom right here. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's why a lot of people kind of expected this to be a, a high-scoring affair. Um, yeah. But we'll see with, you know, what happens with the Chargers injuries and everything like that. I'm, obviously, we'll get to our predictions here in a second. But um, I, yeah. I think it should be, at least for Herbert, you know, it should be a, a good bounce back for him, at, at least from a quality of life standpoint, if you want to put it that yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So like, I'll just run through the last couple of graphs. So this is like, I know a lot of people have been kind of hamp or talking about Herbert's a dot and they do have some, I think the qualms are, are fine. Like you can see that there's a higher density of passes behind the line of scrimmage in 2022 compared to 2021 and his intermediate throws. So you can think like this area right here, this blue part is 10 to 20 the density or the rate as, at which he's throwing those intermediate balls are much lower or not much lower, but de they're definitely lower than what they were in 2021 for obvious, again, obvious reasons. Um, I think the, the other part is like, he actually has been throwing the ball like deep, deep through the air. Not that it's like really been working out, but um, yeah. So basically the, the change in Herbert's like, uh, like air yard or throw type, throwing the ball behind the scrim behind the line of scrimmage a lot more in 2022 hasn't been throwing the ball in the intermediate range as much and but he has been airing it out just a little bit more yeah so i, I mean a lot of this makes sense you watch especially this the last game where it was like screen to eckler swing past the palmer screen to eckler swing past the palmer so um that's one of the reasons this this graph is one of the reasons that a i, I would love like a kendrick Bourne addition to this team yeah um you know be able to really access the middle parts of the field at a higher level um, obviously people are asking about Elijah Moore, like that's the dream, but the jets are not going to trade him. I think that would be really foolish for them. Um, but you can go out and get a guy like a Kendrick Bourne or, you know, Tyler's kind of talked about Terrace Marshall, you know, he's an unproven guy, but, um, there are options available to the Chargers if they want to go make a move, but it's also why I just think this team really needs to get to the bye week and just be able to kind yeah. of 
adjust to what yeah. you know the new personnel is like and adjust to keenan being back and adjust to you know all these things so um health perspective schematics perspective this team really just needs to get to the bye week and if they can do it at five and two that would be uh fantastic so um yeah my biggest takeaway from seeing a graph like that is go get kendrick Bourne and get to the bye week and make some adjustments yeah Okay, so I'm not going to go through everything just because, you know, the report is obviously pretty long. I'm just going to go through the graphs that I think are important. So Seahawks, they run 11 personnel pretty much 50% of the time, which is the fourth lowest rate in the NFL. I think the thing with the Seahawks is they have a lot of, like, their tight end groom is, you know, pretty solid. Noah Fant, Colby Parkinson, and then Will Disley. Um, Will Disley did get, like, the three-year $24 million extension. So Seahawks, I think, have the highest rate or one of the highest rates of 12 personnel usage in the league and one of the highest um, usages of 13 personnel in the league. And if we see how they perform, you know, they, they're they uh, very good out of 11 personnel. They average uh, 0.158 EPA per play. They're pretty unpredictable. Like you, they don't really run or pass uh, much over expected. And they have run, you know, most of their plays out of 11. Out of 12 personnel, they haven't been as effective. They do pass 8% more than expected out of 12 personnel but it really hasn't translated to anything, you know, working as much. So I think the more receivers the Seahawks get um, on the field, I think it, it works out better for them. And then out of 13 personnel, it's, it's, you know, they don't really do much. So I guess just watch out when they're in 11 personnel, when they go a little bit heavier, there's not really too much to worry about. Yeah, um, I would imagine without, yeah. well, if Tyler Lockett doesn't play, I would imagine you're going to try to run as many two tight end sets or yeah. whatever as you can. Yeah, I agree. Um, just looking at like the Seahawks personnel again, you know, Disley and Fan are the two top guys. So when they run 12 personnel, it's most likely most likely going to be them two. Parkinson comes on for 13 personnel, um, and you know Metcalf and Lockett are the guys. Goodwin and Eskridge do mix in at the wide receiver three position. But yeah, it's it's mainly like a a th- three no two guy receiver room that we need to worry about. Yeah, it's uh reminds me a lot of how the Browns run their personnel packages too. Oh yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Um, okay, so I'll, I'll just make this my last one because I think they're or we can look at one more after this, but um just Seahawks uh efficiency out of each uh offensive formation. So they actually like do very well out of empty, which is pretty interesting. Like I didn't figure Geno Smith to be like that much of an empty guy, but he, you know, seems to thrive mm-hmm. in it. They're averaging zero point three three EPA per play, which is like outstanding. Um, out of shotgun, they average 0.15 EPA per play, which is the formation they've run the most plays out of. And then, you know, out of pistol, they're, they aren't as successful, um, averaging negative 0.07 EPA per play. And out of empty shotgun and pistol, they do pass uh, at least 6% more than expected. And then when they go under center, they do seem to run a lot more over expected. So, or run, yeah, they do run more over expected. So some formation tendencies that we can pick up on and, you know, mm-hmm. watch for during the game. I mean that makes sense with Pete Carroll. That's that, I feel like that's always what they've been doing. Even even you know, regardless of offensive coordinator, it's like get under center, run the ball. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, last thing I want to look at is the Seahawks run defense because again, like I know this is probably going to be another week where I'm like the Chargers need to be able to run the ball to win, especially if Keenan's not playing and Palmer's not playing and, and Parham's not playing. So there are a lot of exploitable sides to the, the Seahawks. So. When teams run the ball outside the tackle on the right side, they're averaging above a 0.2 EPA per rush, which is absolutely crazy. So we talk about how, you know, Trey Pipkins and Zion Johnson have been doing solid. I would say outside of this Broncos game, um, you know, they're going to have to have a good game because yeah. that's where the Seahawks defense definitely struggles. I believe Chenna 
lines up over the left tackle. So I would definitely try to run away from him since he's been having a pretty good year. Um, and the other gap where teams are, or the Seahawks have struggled is when teams run between the tackle and the guard on the left side. So this is between Filer and Sawyer. Um, this isn't necessarily like Chenna's role. I would say this is more like Al Woods or like Puna Ford or something like that. Mm -hmm. So um, there's two gaps where they've definitely struggled the most to defend um, so far this year. Um, and if we look at like the Chargers and like how they can attack those gaps, like unfortunately, like <laughs> weirdly enough, the two gaps the Seahawks are the worst out or the two gaps the Chargers rushing offense struggles at. <laughs> so again, like Alex said, immovable force meets immovable force. But um, I think I'd lean the, the Chargers offense in this sense because I, I think, you know, uh, the Seahawks defense is nothing to write home about. But and that's, that's uh, that, yeah, that's a Trey McKitty style right there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, uh, uh, but but yeah. Um, so that that's ahead, all I. So that's all I had. So I don't know if you, um, you know, wanted me to check anything else, but I didn't want to make it too long today. No, yeah, I think this is uh, this is definitely a, a big bounce back, uh, a necessary bounce back game for Zion Johnson and Trey Pipkins. I think Pipkins' issues were mostly health related. Yeah, like I said, I mean, you could you could kind of tell watching the film back that he did settle down eventually. Um, Zion just had a rough game, man, and, and it happens. And that Broncos interior defensive line is nasty. Like, I, yeah. you know, there's a lot of a lot of overreactions about the Chargers' offense this week, and some of it is is definitely valid. There's definitely some concerns, but I think people are just kind of underestimating the role that the Broncos' defensive line had in that game. Uh, and also schematically, they just really threw everything possible at at Will Clapp, and it was a disaster. So. Um, Credit to the Broncos defense for sure for what happened on uh, Monday night. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so we'll get to our uh, weekly picks. Ar obviously, Arjun can uh, tune in here as well. Um, so we're, we're going to have another graphic here up on the stat or up on the screen, excuse me. And then we will obviously uh, have our Chargers prediction here. So uh, current standings for the three of us, I am in first place. What a shocker from last year. Uh, hopefully that continues. Uh, 15 and 9 for me. And then Alex and Tyler are both 13 and 11. So uh, Alex gets to go first this week. And then it'll be Tyler and then me. And then we'll snake it uh, over there. So this is an ugly, ugly week of NFL games. There's not a ton of great lines, not a ton of great games. Uh, so Alex being first, I think, is a big advantage. So uh, Alex, take it away, man. Who's your favorite of the week? 
This week sucks because there's no easy win for me or Tyler to go with the Eagles since they're on by. Um, so <laughs> that's that's depressing. But uh, I will have to go with Tom Brady and the Divorce Pirates over the Carolina Panthers. Uh, wow. Thirteen point wow. favorite. We're not taking you know money spread or any point spread or anything. But um, yeah, Carolina is done. <laughs> I mean, they're just traded Christian McCaffrey, traded Robbie Anderson, and. Uh, I mean, the Bucks need to bounce back at some point. So, I mean, that feels like a pretty safe one. And then again, I thought Packers Patriots was safe a couple of weeks ago. So never know with any of the double digit lines, I guess. Yeah, I mean, thankfully, this this Carolina team seems to actively be trying to also lose. So that kind of works out in your favor there uh, as well. Yeah, I think the biggest points read. Also, quick updates. I know people are watching and it just got announced. Wilson is not playing. Um, so now it's Brett Ripian, Ripian, or whatever versus. I'm the kind Jets. of rooting for a Brett Ripian, like 100. I want that chaos, <laughs> like so a 300, funny. like a 300 yard, three touchdown yeah. kind of game. <laughs> yeah, just like Geno Smith and Brett Ripian just out producing Russell Wilson <laughs> on the same week would just be would be amazing. Uh, Carson uh, Wentz also on IR, Alex. Oh yeah, because he's a coward and he's gonna miss the Eagles game. Uh, yeah. Oh, he didn't no. already play them. Uh, he played them in Washington, uh, but I hope oh, not that in Philly. They, but they put him on IR a week later, you know, and that Eagles game is like the last of the four week IR. So um, it mm. seems kind of intentional to miss that one. But I don't know. I don't think he's getting that job back anyway, because I think Heineke's going to play well enough. Heineke, I keep every time he plays, I swear it's like you root for him. He looks pretty good and they keep yeah. finding ways to replace him like. Let the guy play, man. I know. Like, he, uh, give give the Washington team someone who will like throw the ball to Terry McLaurin. Like, I mean, <laughs> that that's really what you kind of need. Team? And I mean, not that Heineke is like above a league average quarterback, but like mm-hmm. at this point, I think he probably gives you a better chance to win than Wentz does. I don't know. Yeah, I want to see Sam Howell, man. That'd be fun. That too. Yeah. All right, Heart's I'm going higher. to go with the uh, the thesis paper over the Chicago Bears uh, when Bill Belichick comes out and just talks about your entire offense for (laughs) a 5,000-word paper, uh, you're going to put up negative points. So I don't love it, but frankly, I think New England is is fine, um, and Chicago is just kind of a mess, and Bill Belichick is Uh. just going to make that hell for Justin Fields. Yeah, poor guy. Uh, Is that game in New England or Chicago? I don't know. Chicago. Okay, so I mean that's a Patriots twenty four Bears. No Patriots home game. Oh, that's a Patriots twenty four Bears one sixty four yard run from Khalil Herbert kind of score probably. (laughs) (laughs) Just like a twenty four to three game if they're lucky. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) Poor Bears, man. Poor Bears. Um, All right, so my favorite of the week, uh, I am gonna go with. I've picked them a few times and it hasn't really worked out, but. I feel like this should be a good matchup for the Baltimore Ravens against the Cleveland Browns. Um, obviously, we all saw what the Browns run defense is like. Uh, so I, I would expect the Ravens to be able to bounce back. And, you know, they've led by double digit points in every game so far this this year. And they're three and three. So yeah. um, this is a must win game for the Ravens as they try and kind of save face in the AFC. Um, all right, so for my underdog pick here, again, ugly, ugly week. Um, I almost feel like I just have to take like the best team that's an underdog, and that to me is the Niners against the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only they're only one and a half point underdogs, but um, if I'm gonna pick an underdog to actually be competitive this week, I, I like 
The Niners should theoretically get Nick Bosa and all these guys back. So um, maybe Christian McCaffrey has, you know, uh, a big touchdown play or something like that. So the Niners are the only underdog that I, I feel good about even like making a game close and covering. So I'm going to go with them. Yeah, uh, I like it. We'll see. Uh, probably no McCaffrey this week. But um, I, I think I, it sounds like he's going to play, but it's going to be like yeah, 10 snaps. I, I it's going to be basic like, limited. yeah, basic like Texas route here, you know, mm. toss play here, stuff like that. Red zone packages. So we'll see. And then uh, their fourth running back ends about producing him <laughs> like clockwork. Probably. Uh, am I next or is Alex? Uh, that'd be you and then Alex. Okay, I'm going to go with the team that keeps on going. I don't know why they're underdogs unless I read this wrong. Well, I guess I know why, but I'm going to go with the New York football giants. The Cinderella story right now over the Jacksonville Jaguars. I believe they're in Jacksonville, and that's why they're underdogs. Yeah. I don't know things have changed, but yeah, I mean, you beat the Packers, you beat the Ravens, and I think you can beat the Jaguars, so I'll go with that one. Not a bad one. Uh, okay, I have to ask this. What is the line? Because I'm seeing so many different things. What is the line on Jets Broncos? Uh, they were. Shoot, it was on my. What is it uh, now? The Jets are currently favored by one. Okay. To, because uh, yeah, MGM. when I when I looked this morning prior to the Ripian announcement, I think that the Broncos were a one point favorite, which still is was weird to me, um, <laughs> given how the last couple yeah. weeks have gone. Um, so, bunch of them yeah. still have Broncos favorites, but uh, MGM has uh, Jets minus one. Yeah. Uh, okay. I'll go with the Indianapolis Colts as two and a half point underdogs against the Tennessee Titans. Uh, it's an AFC South game, so I don't know who wins, but that's usually <laughs> how those go. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's going to be a toss up. We'll see what kind of happens there. Um, and then, Alex, you get your either or pick first as well. Um. Okay, yeah. I mean, I'll ride with it. I think the New York Football Jets uh, will defeat the Denver Broncos. Uh, that feels like a fairly safe one now. I mean, it's in it's in Denver, and wild things always happen there. But um, down to Brett Rippey and the Broncos are injured, and the Jets are, Jets defense is hot right now, and they're kind of playing with house money in this game. Uh, so I'll take the Jets. Nice. I like that one. All right, Tyler, you're next. Ooh, okay, good. Uh, I'm going to pick the Broncos over the Jets. <laughs> wow, here we go. Mostly because I just head want fun things to, to happen. Okay. Head to head. Yeah, and uh, frankly, I, I, I can't express to you how much I absolutely want that to happen, uh, for Denver to come out and put up you know, <laughs> 21 points or maybe even maybe even so 20 funny. points um, against Ru- the Jets. Russell Wilson leaves the glory to God tweet in the drafts like... <laughs> <laughs> what do what will media members do if the broncos have like a 26 point game and score their season oh, high with dude. russell wilson out dude it will be full-on quarterback controversy media frenzy <laughs> we, they tried to talk oh, yeah. cooper rush into taking dak prescott's job for like a month and That's then true. he went on sunday night football and threw three picks or whatever but um so yeah no i mean i i don't i don't know and they said Russell is a hamstring, right? So I mean, yeah, I man. I wouldn't be surprised if he's out like a couple weeks um, with that kind of that kind of deal, considering yeah. what I'm talking about with with Keenum right now. I guess um, that Wolverine blood is not really a thing. <laughs> the Wolverine blood did not play. Uh, yeah, so I could see Denver winning that game uh, 
with a potential upgrade at quarterback, but um, I, I, I think I'll stick with the Jets and uh, Sauce Gardner, probably defensive rookie of the year right now. Yeah, uh, definitely sounds like it, especially, you know, uh, Devin Lloyd hasn't had the best couple weeks. Aiden Hutchinson apparently taking snaps at off-ball linebacker for the Lions the last couple weeks. So, I don't know, strange. Yeah, Dan Campbell's going to lose that job. <sighs> They're so fun on offense, which is so weird. But, yeah, yeah I, I wish the Lions were a more competitive team. But, um, all right, so for my last pick here, I'm kind of surprised it lasted this long, but uh Tua is back in Miami so I'm gonna take the Dolphins over the Steelers uh really only have to score like 20 points to beat the Steelers these days so uh do expect that to happen uh Miami home game as well so I'm going Dolphins over Steelers yeah there were several other very intelligent picks I could have made but Denver over the Jets is just too hilarious (laughs) to pass up so I'm going with that one I I respect it it's all it's all about the vibes you know I get it true um, all right, so we'll keep the same order here uh, for the Chargers score predictions. Um, you guys in the chat, let us know what you think as well. Um, you know, and uh, we'll have some fun with this one, I would expect. Obviously, Seahawks coming into town. We got the Chenna and Wosu uh, revenge game. Geno Smith also potentially a revenge game, although things obviously ended pretty well with him and the Chargers because he's a back quarterback. Um, but I like how Derwin was kind of talking about his experience playing with Gino from his rookie season, uh, potentially giving them some intel. So we'll see what happens here. But uh, Alex, we'll, we'll kick this off with you first and foremost. Uh, what's your score prediction for this week? I'm excited for this one. I think I'm going to pick the Chargers to win the game. Um, Very positive of you. But it's just like something just feels wrong about this game. And man, if JC Jackson didn't just get benched, I would feel <laughs> a whole lot better about him going one-on-one versus DK Metcalf for a long amounts of time. Um, but then again, if something does go wrong there, Brandon Staley has also indicated that he's not, you know, afraid to, you know, pull uh, JC and put in Michael Davis in that case. I, I don't feel good about this because Geno Smith has been so good. And if, Tyler Lockett is able to find a way to play in this game, then that creates problems for the Chargers secondary. But like Arjun said, I do think Seattle is a pretty exploitable team uh, in terms of what their weaknesses are, particularly on defense. Um, And, you know, obviously their offensive line is sort of a work in progress right now. Obviously some places where they've gotten better there, but I still think the roster, like in theory, if you put the Chargers roster against the Seahawks roster, then it should, you know, the Chargers should win nine times out of ten. Even but, with the injuries, yeah. I think that's yeah, I think that's e- fair. even even with the injuries. But I don't know. Something I, I don't think the Chargers should be favored by five and a half of this game. I, I don't know why they are, um, aside just from like injuries and randomness and they're at home, which I mean with the Seattle fans that might fly down. I don't know how much of a home field advantage that is. We'll see. Um I'll say Chargers 27 26 wow one point win okay i i yeah i i don't feel good about this one uh at all just because of you know how hot the seattle offense has been you know could potentially turn into like a semi shootout kind of game although i don't think it will because of the injuries but um yeah i the charger secondary worries me uh going against this type of seattle offense that has had a lot of success mm-hmm. on first and second down and, and gina smith has been able to really propel them uh, on third down which has been a problem for the chargers going back a couple of years but particularly this year 
I will say before Tyler jumps in, I'm if Tyler Lockett plays or doesn't play, I, I frankly am not worried there. Like Bryce Callahan has been one of the best slot corners in the league you know, over the over the first six weeks, and so it's going to be a battle for sure. But I'm not expecting Tyler Lockett to like you know have a huge game this week. I think if there is a receiver for the Seahawks that's going to go beast mode, obviously it's going to be DK. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll see again. Tyler Lockett might not play. That might be a mute, uh, mute point, but I-, I trust Bryce Callahan in that matchup if Lockett does play. Yeah. Uh, did you see the compilation of Tyler Lockett falling down after the catch? No, someone put, I have not seen it. Someone said, like, oh, I respect Tyler Lockett trying not to take a hit after every catch this season, and it's like 12 plays of him catching the ball and like immediately going down or just like pretending like fall over. This oh, he doesn't. Like, he just doesn't get tackled. He just yeah. Slides, he just like slides almost. He'll just like yeah. He'll basically just quarterback like ditch and slide or whatever. Uh, it's pretty funny. Okay, so I I feel about as quote unquote bad about this game as I did the Cleveland game because oh this mm-hmm. time Gino is playing better than Brissett. The Browns had a much better rushing attack, but I feel like Kenneth Walker with you know, I think Thomas Martinez pointed out you know the broken tackles, the missed tackles forced. What's it like yeah. 24 missed tackles already this season? He wasn't even what's he have like 40, 50 touches, maybe um at yeah. the start of the season because he wasn't even a starter until last week. So that's just, rough. it was 12 missed tackles forced against the Cardinals in one game. <laughs> 12. <laughs> Gee, does that sound like that could happen again this week? Yeah, I mean, I, I do think the Chargers defense. I'm thankful. Okay, I'll pick them to win. I'll say that I'm going to pick the Chargers to win. Because I feel like the defense at least showed us a pulse. They showed us something against the, frankly, very bad and potentially banged up Russell Wilson-led Broncos offense. But they did show me that they could still play defense. And there is some hope in that if JC is, for whatever reason, terrible, they will potentially bench him again mid-game. Um, I don't know if they will. Did you just say the sentence, though. there's some hope they'll bench him mid-game? <laughs> it is bad. <laughs> like, imagine there's you teleported hope. back to March, and that was the sentence you said. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, if he's bad again, and I don't know what will constitute him being bad enough to be benched again, uh, they might. So I'm not going to stick with it. I'm not going to watch DK get you know 300 yards of offense against JC this week, which, hey, that could happen based on the way he's looked. I don't think a lot of people in the chat are picking 30 points, 30 plus points for the Chargers. I just don't see it. I mean, you don't even have your kicker first off. You don't have Kelly. You don't have your RB2 or your your real RB2. I think it's possible someone like Spiller makes some sort of mistake. Herbert didn't look super sharp last game. You have to rely a lot on McKitty in the blocking game again, which really sent their run game backwards to start the year. So I think the run game is down a bit. I'm assuming Pipkins is a bit healthier, but I don't know that for sure. Um, I don't know what kind of status stats status he's at. There's no Palmer, and I, I I think they can replace Palmer's production and what he's done, but I don't know that for sure. Um, so I'm going to go definitely not 30 points. I'll go 26-24 Chargers. The spread a couple days ago was 52.5 points. I'll go say they go under that. I think the defense does a little bit to keep the Seahawks down. I think the offense jumps down a little bit because of just little pieces here and there missing that really kind of exposes their depth. Bertolette has to be one of the practice squad activations, I assume, right? Yeah. Now that, yeah, Hopkins yeah. Is injured. I don't think I don't think they want to put Hopkins on IR unless they absolutely have to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would, you know, I would just expect them to activate Bertolette this week and then activate Bertolette against the Falcons if Hopkins still is not able to play by then. 
which could be good, but I, I don't I don't know that for sure. Okay, I just I just had a notification from uh, Twitter from Daniel Popper. I wanted to make sure it wasn't like a a roster yeah. notification mm. or anything like that. But Stephen, give us the optimistic Chargers prediction now. <laughs> I will say, like, so I, I think Corey Lindsley coming back is huge, right? I don't think the Seattle Seahawks has a defensive front to uh, really make me concerned about the pass protection this week. So. I, I feel confident that the pass protection will hold up. I think Ochenomosu probably gets a sack, probably has some good good moments here and there because this is the revenge game, and that's how freaking the NFL works, and it's super annoying. Um, but I do expect the pass protection. I do expect the run game uh, to be better. But I, I think with the lack of receivers that the Chargers have, I think they're going to kind of just pivot towards like a ball control game plan, almost like a very similar game plan that they had against the Browns, against the Texans. Uh, and I think it will work, but I don't think that's going to be enough possessions for them to cross 30 points. And so I, I do expect a run-heavy approach, and I think that's the right approach. Uh, maybe we see Sony Michelle have his best game in the season. So um, I feel confident with the offensive line being able to handle their business. I just don't think the passing game is going to have enough to – you know, be a shootout kind of game that a lot of people are kind of predicting. So mm -hmm. I agree that it won't be, you know, like this 34 to 30 kind of game. I just don't think the Chargers offense has enough to do that. And I think they're going to try and grind it out on the ground. So um, I do think the Chargers win. I don't think they cover, um, but I do. I like I feel good with like a 24 to 20 prediction. And that's where I'm going to end up at. Um, similar to Tyler, I do think the defense showing us more confidence last week, especially against the run. I feel like they continue to make some steps forward there. Nasir Adley looked like himself last week. Uh, so that was a big development that not a lot of people are, are, are talking about. So I think the defense will do enough to stop them. I think the offense will do enough on the ground to kind of keep them at bay. Uh, but I definitely do not think that this should be a five and a half point line for the Chargers. I think that's too much for me. Um, given all of the injuries in the skill position room. So mm -hmm. um, I, I think that they win by – I think they could win by a field goal. I think they could win by four points. But four points is about, like, my max that I would feel comfortable predicting. Um, someone did bring up in the chat that we're not taking into account the Navy <laughs> jersey curse. And I, I think it's a fair point. It's so weird, man. Like – so many NFL players talk about like looking good and playing good. And like all of the players love the Navy uniforms, especially the big guys. The big guys love the Navy because Navy is a much slimmer looking uniform than baby blue or yellow or white. So uh, it is strange that the Navy blue has, has been an 0 for 3 kind of game for, for Wait, the Chargers. What are the three losses? It was the Bills game a couple Bills years in ago. Bills in 2020. Patriots and then Raiders. Year. They lost to the Raiders in Navy. Mm hmm. And when then Patriots was, was last year. That was 2021. Donald Parham and Mike Williams. Oh, the Donald Parham either. drop. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's well, how I remember that, the games. Yeah. Was yeah. that in 2020? Was the Bills and Raiders was, both in 2020? Uh, Bills was 2020 because that was the Anthony Lynn game. Yeah. So they wore navy blue twice that year. And I then so. last year was just Once. the Patriots, right? Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. Okay. I wasn't sure if I was missing a game there from last year. No. But. And I think they're wearing the color rush this year against Miami. Hmm. That sounds right. 
That yeah. should be a good uniform game. Um, last year, Texans were not in navy blue. Obviously, that was a road game, so it was white. Sure. So I'm pretty sure it's just those three. But I think the color rush has been the luckiest. In yeah, terms of I think they're five and one in the color rush since insane, 2016. Man. Yeah, man, when they debuted those, I think on Thursday night football against the Broncos and their ugly ass orange ones, they were so good. Like that was the <laughs> Davis Brown, Joey Bosa yeah. rookie game. Like that was awesome. Oh, and the color rush gave us the Herbert to Guyton 65 yard bomb last year. That was, yeah. Mm hmm. That's what I'm saying. How are we doing, Steven? Sorry, Brooke, uh, Brooke is texting me. She's, she's getting her tires changed out, so they're expensive, but that's okay. Um, all right, so we'll uh, we'll take some questions for a few minutes here. Um, you know, obviously, we had a bunch of trade conversations. If you want to ask a trade question not related to DJ Moore, uh, feel free to do so. <laughs> take questions for her. That, uh, that means that you're going to get questions. <laughs> Yeah, I, I love Twitter going like at yeah Jason from Over the Cap, Brad Spielberger, and Arjun. They're like, you guys don't know the cap. And it's like, okay, well, like, <laughs> it's kind of my job. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So uh, again, if you want to ask us some questions, we'll do our best to uh, answer them. We'll take questions for like ten minutes. You guys, you guys, cool? Ten minutes? Yeah, sure. Yeah. I don't have a life. <laughs> Oh, someone said the Falcons game in 2020, which was like the one game they won in the Anthony Lynn like bad stretch. That was when they wore yeah. the rush jerseys too. I yeah, yeah okay. I forgot about that one. Memory hold it. Yeah, people are talking about Elijah Moore in the chat. I I can't mm -hmm. stress enough how happy I would be with Elijah yeah. Moore on the Chargers. Um, out of college, he was fantastic. Got to the NFL, has been like 50 50 on opportunities. I swear it's like yeah. you feature him, he produces, or he just disappears because they. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but he's literally the athletic profile outside of being a little bit shorter. He's fast, he's got good hands, he can run routes. I would love Elijah Moore, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think Elijah Moore is going to happen just because I don't see the Chargers investing that kind of pick at this point. And I think at, at, I don't know what they would be willing to give up at most, probably like a fourth or fifth, like at this point. So I, I feel like that takes them out of the Elijah Moore conversation at receiver. Um, I mean, there's some pretty like cost effective cost effective options they could go for. I think the real like big one for me now, if they're not going to go for Elijah Moore, I think Kendrick Bourne makes a lot of sense um, in a trade. He is on the salary sheet for one year, seven million dollars next year, which I mean works out really well for them in terms of you know having contract control of a really cheap receiver. The Patriots aren't using him. The Chargers, <laughs> the Chargers need speed. The Chargers need a guy who can move. Um, and I think Kendrick Bourne uh, would work really well um, kind of in this offense. As far as DJ Moore or uh, Elijah Moore, uh, don't think that's going to happen. But, yeah, I, I think the Chargers could go into kind of the, you know, guys who are probably going to be sold last and, you know, get some bargain bin guys that I think makes sense. Yeah, the, the DJ Moore thing is just it, it's there's no chance. Like there's there's just no chance for the Chargers to make him work and in both from a cap standpoint and also from a draft capital standpoint, because I mean, they just got a, you know, a second, a third and a fourth and next year's fourth for a running back who is expensive and can't stay healthy. Like you're talking about a young receiver who's been a thousand yards uh, player for four of, I think three of his four seasons. And the first one was really close. So um, 
there's there's just no chance that the Chargers are in on DJ Moore. There's there's none. Like people can stop talking about it. Um, there's just no feasible way. So Elijah Moore, obviously, I would love that. You know, he was one of my favorite players in in his draft class. Um, and that would be that would be a fantastic addition. But again, I I just the Jets, why would they trade Elijah Moore? They they have no reason to do that. So, you know, it's not like he's been an unproductive player. It's not mm-hmm. like he's been a character concern. He just wants the ball more. And that's an easy fix. Just yeah. give him the ball more. Like, you know, I <laughs> yeah. just don't see it. Yeah. I mean, they're sort of in a weird position, too, because they're four and two. Why Why are the Jets going to sell at four and two when the defense is right. playing as well as it is? Um, and they still have Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore and like all these guys in the receiver room who, who can produce, obviously have found, you know, they're running back one of the future in, in Brees Hall. Um, maybe Zach Wilson should just like play better, and then that would solve like a lot of these trade concerns. I don't know. Yeah, they're still like a bottom tier EPA per draft back team, and that's that's obviously a problem. So, um, Kendrick Bourne is a good one. Um, Tyler's talked about Terrace Marshall. That would be a good one again. He's he's more of an unproven uh, commodity here, and might be potentially taking on a bigger role without Robbie Anderson. Um, Darius Slayton's a good one. Uh, I would like as well. Um, you know, he's on the last year of his rookie contract. So, um, you're only renting him for the rest of the season. He's a speed threat. Um, I know Alex has some very poor memories of Nelson Aguilar, but no. again, <laughs> you're not asking Nelson Aguilar to be like a wide receiver one or two. You're just asking him to be a speed threat. You're asking least- him to catch the football and he has 10 to 20% drop rates throughout his career. <laughs> like, that's the problem. What's the difference between him and, and Jalen Guyton outside of contract? Jalen Guyton has a torn ACL and Nelson Aguilar doesn't <laughs> like that's the difference but sure Jay- I think Jalen Guyton is also naturally faster like I I think when I don't know Nelson Aguilar doesn't s- strike me as like a burner type guy I don't think he was really ever like a four three speed dude in the way that Guyton was um at least in terms of how he played a little bit later on in his career now um but I don't know like that's fair that's fair yeah I I don't know I I think the Chargers need someone who's a little bit shiftier than nelson aguilar is and also like yeah i don't i don't know the drop rate like if we were concerned about the drops last year and everyone on the team was dropping the ball i don't know if nelson aguilar is the guy to bring in um yeah no, I was about to, to me that i was about to say wouldn't be opposed to it but i am opposed to it <laughs> <laughs> to me the most natural trade candidates are kendrick Bourne because he's familiar with um a lot of what the chargers do from his time with the niners and shane day and then you could talk about any of the Saints guys, Traquan Smith, Marquez Callaway, both guys obviously, you know, well versed in the Joe Lombardi passing scheme. So both guys theoretically available through trade. So um that's where probably I would focus my attention at is is preferably uh Traquan Smith because he's a speed guy or Kendrick Bourne, because I think he would just do uh a lot of good uh in the intermediate game. He's a good blocker, good after the catch guy. So that's where I would focus my attention from a receiver perspective. Um, edge wise, I would love another pass rusher. Jerry Hughes, again, probably the best option there. Um, affordable contract. He's been productive. He could be your edge three um, when Joey Bosa comes back at the end of the season. He can start for you right now. Um, that's where I would focus there. Or you could, you know, target a young player that's kind of in a log jam situation as well. You know, you could talk about maybe Samson Ebucom in uh, San Francisco, who's kind of edge four for the Niners played for Brandon Staley. That would make a lot of sense to me as well. 
I guess where I'd look, and I don't know the answer to this, but where would the Chargers be willing to admit that they were wrong? At? Because like receiver, I don't know if they're willing to say that, oh, unless Palmer's hurt for longer or whatever. They're not really willing to say that, oh, we messed up on Josh Palmer. I think they want to make that work. I also think they want to make Chris Rumpf and Kyle Van Noy work. Obviously, they want to make JC Jackson work and not that they're trading for a corner. Where do you think they'd be most likely to admit that they were wrong? And I think that's where they would make some sort of change, if anything. Is that safety? Mm, I think it could be safety, but I, I feel like they are comfortable with with Nas and Alohi playing, at least in some capacity. Um, obviously, I don't think they trade for a corner. They already have too many, arguably. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be pass rusher. I, I think it would be Calvin Noy's not really giving you much as a pass rusher. Chris Rumpf, clearly not kind of a, a starter caliber player. So mm-hmm. I, I think they would try mm-hmm. and, and ramp up the efficiency from Calvin Noy and Chris Rumpf and give them limited snaps. So I, yeah. I think it would be pass rusher, if anything. I, I agree. I don't see... Uh, I don't realistically see a move at receiver, although I would love mm. one. The Josh Palmer one's interesting because Holden said in the chat, I remember we remember a couple of years ago when Joey Bosa had the second concussion and then he missed about a month um, after that game. And then that's also true. Yeah. Yeah. J- Josh Palmer obviously had the first concussion in the preseason. Now has a concussion again. Um, I don't think they would you know, admit that they were wrong on Josh Palmer in some sort of like franchise, like building way for the future or anything. But um, I, I do think they're if the Chargers do make a trade at wide receiver, it's because they think Josh Palmer could be out for a while. Um, don't know yeah. if that's the case, but just based off of what we've seen with like re concussions, uh, I do think that's going to be interesting. Yeah, that would definitely be a good way to put it um, or to, for them to not phrase it to sell it, I guess. You know, Josh Palmer's out for, you know, X amount of games, extended period of time. We need to get going. We're now five and two heading into the bye. Let's make a move. So Someone the deadline is November first. Uh, ASJ from last year, because uh, I do believe he missed like mm-hmm. two or three weeks after the second concussion. Don't remember exactly, but yeah, yeah, I could see Palmer missing some time, honestly. But um, his situation is a little different though, because he uh, he passed protocol during the game, mm-hmm. and then uh, Daniel Popper said on Wednesday he is when he started reporting symptoms. So. I don't know. Um, lots of questions about Joey Bosa's status uh, going on. Uh, Jake C, a couple others asking about it. Um, my understanding of the surgery that happened after the Jaguars game, so week four, um, was that it was an eight to 10 week recovery. Mm-hmm. And that, um, so eight weeks would have put him obviously week 12. So that's the the Chiefs game, I believe. Um, oh, that's Arizona. Okay. Uh, so 10 weeks would obviously be much after that. So if he's, if it's a 10 week thing, then you're talking about him playing like the last four games. Yeah. I, I mean, I get, you know, at Vegas is not easy at Arizona. Shouldn't, mm-hmm. you, know, you can't consider them easy, but like if you can get past San Francisco, Kansas city, you know, split those or whatever, I don't see a real strong reason to want to even rush him back until yeah. like Miami. And even then really, you know, if you're playing okay and, and you're getting through and you know your position to make the postseason because you can beat Indy, you can beat Tennessee, you can, I assume, beat Denver at Denver, but that's a whole other thing. You know, I think you just be patient with Joey Bosa and understand at some point that you're probably making the postseason in a really weird, wacky AFC this year. 
And yeah. I think you just, you know, I think it'll take longer than we maybe expect or maybe the fans hope. This is why, I mean, even though they were ugly wins, like I think it was huge to get the wins over the Broncos that they did um, over, you know, some you know, over the Browns, over whomever, because I mean, just the playoff positioning in the AFC is going to be crazy. And if you can beat Seattle this week and, and get to five and two entering the bye, have a chance, I think, to win in Atlanta, although that's a East Coast game. So never know with them. And Atlanta can also be a sneaky team. But if you can realistically get to six and two or five and three, by you know the probably two or three weeks before Joey gets back, that also gives you some margin for error in terms of you know how you could approach um, the situation and play it a little bit more conservatively if um, the team is you know still flying high at around six and two, six and three, whatever it is by that point. Yeah, um, I'm trying to find a Joey Bosa recovery time. I'm pretty sure I remember it being like an eight to ten week thing. No, it's definitely long term. I don't remember yeah. what I talked about with Jameson, but it was it's gonna be like it was longer than shorter. Whatever it I was. think I think they said like the earliest he could possibly come back was like the San Francisco game, and that was like even like way over kind of the valuation. So I, I think that he's probably out like two weeks past that, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I would just look to December. Um you know, do you want to send him out two road games against Arizona and Vegas? I think like something like Miami, December 11th, you're at home for two games, you're not traveling, whatever. I think that's kind of where you end up. So yeah, PFF reported on October 2nd, uh, Joey Bosa is expected to miss eight to 10 weeks with a groin tear. There you go. Unfortunately. Um, in terms of Slater coming back, there's a chance that he could play like the last couple of games, but uh, again, wouldn't wouldn't bank on it. Yeah, I mean, I think he's kind of in a Hunter Henry-ish position from 2018, where it's like maybe yeah. he plays the last couple of games. If the Chargers make the playoffs, can you know make a playoff type push? Um, but yeah, I think as of now, I would kind of assume he's out for the rest of the year until we're told you know, they're until the chargers are like in that position for the playoffs those last two weeks or so. And then maybe they, maybe then Slater is ready to go. Man, some wild takes about Keenan Allen in the chat today. I can kind of understand. It depends where you're going with the Keenan Allen takes. I get it from the fan perspective. Like you can see the out, you can see where you'd see save money. You could see where, you know, Keenan's been hurt. You can see where you draft a receiver. Like I understand, but again, just after watching him this past year, I, I have zero doubt that he's far and away better than Mike Williams. Um, not a knock on Mike Williams, it's just Keenan Allen's that good. And I think replacing him with the mystery box option is rough. That said, I think we all agree that something has to be done about that contract. So restructure, heck, a, another year extension or something, something has to be done about that cap hit next year. Yeah, I mean, heading into this season, I I fully expected a restructure after the year. Um, just made too much sense to free up some cap space. But um, people talking about cutting Keenan after the season or trading him, like we're all watching what this offense looks like with Keenan Allen. And should they have prepared better for this life without him? Absolutely. Um, you know, we've talked about it. You know, this is. Uh, they were banking on a Josh Palmer breakout season and, and it hasn't happened. You know, he's been injured, but when he wasn't, he was not very good. So um, you're asking 
so much of this offense to be effective without Keenan Allen next year. Like I just, I can't get there. Like, Mm -hmm. I think to me, the receiver plan is pretty clear. Like next year you draft one early on in the season and early on in the draft, second, third round, hopefully somebody that can actually threaten the field vertically. And then that person is your Mike Williams replacement after the 2023, 2024 season, depending on what you want to do there. But um, talking about cutting Keenan Allen after the season is, is ludicrous. Yeah, I think that if the Chargers had drafted a receiver like in day one or day two of the draft this year, um, then, you know, I think that could have like been a possibility to like move on from Keenan at that point. But they didn't invest any wide receiver resources in the draft. Didn't really. I mean, they invested in Mike Williams and invested in Keenan Allen. Um, So those are your two guys. And. I think they were hoping for more with Palmer by this point. And maybe if Palmer really like had ascended and taken that step, then that could also be a discussion too. Um, but at this point, I, I don't see any real benefit to cutting Keenan Allen. No, he's still too good to me. He was still, you know, a borderline top 10 receiver last year. And I, I get the frustration. He hasn't been on the field, you know, hamstring injuries can be really tricky. So once he comes back after the bye week, I fully expect to start seeing regular Keenan Allen. I mean, obviously, he won't be like a pro bowler this year because he'll have missed too many games. He won't hit 1,000 yards. But um, him coming back after the bye week is going to be huge for this offense. And it's not too many excuses. Guys get injured. He re-aggravated the injury. Shit happens sometimes. Yeah, I can't wait to see Justin Herbert getting back to Keenan Allen. Like, just from day one, Herbert with no practice is like, Keenan Allen, Keenan Allen, the entire game sometimes. (laughs) You know, against the Jets, it was, what, like 14 targets? There's yeah. just something different. There's a comfort level for Herbert. You don't turn the ball over as much, although it hasn't been all that much this year. You find him on third down. You find him on fourth down. You move the chains with him. He's also technically your best 20-plus yard deep threat. Maybe not 40 yards, but your best 20-yard deep threat, I think, is Keenan Allen still. I know people will disagree. Whatever. Him back. It, it, it'll be huge. Yeah, yeah I mean, and like Keenan even week one versus the Raiders this week or this year, like I think he probably had like 50 or 60 yards by the time he got out and he played a whole quarter and a half. Like, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, he is just so important, especially if, you know, people want downfield shots and like opening that up that part of the offense. Like that's what Keenan contributes to uh, as well with his route running ability. And we saw that a little bit in the Raiders game as well. Yeah, and I I think you can transition the receiver room down the line to be not Keenan Allen-centric, and I think that we'll see this receiver room be very different next year. Um, But, you know, like Keenan Allen can – he can play for a very long time with Justin Herbert. You know, this is – it's a chemistry thing. It's a route-running ability thing. So, barring more injuries, like I think Keenan Allen absolutely stays on this roster longer than Mike Williams does. I, I felt that way in the summer. And I still feel that way going forward. I feel less certain about that. But I, if, I, if I had gun to my head, I would pick Keenan. Um, just the way they also made Mike Williams deal was like, yeah, we like you a lot, but like for two years. Yeah. Um, we'll Keen, on Keenan's this. deal after uh, this year is two years left, right? Yeah, both of them have two more years. You know, so, in theory. Yeah. Um, They're going to have to pick between the two of them at some point. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just officially, since we're talking about it, um, Keenan Allen is under contract through 2024. 
Um, after the 2023 season, they could cut him and save $23 million. So that's where we're at with Keenan. They could certainly restructure him after this year. Again, that's kind of what I would expect. That would free up uh, nearly $10 million uh, for 2023. And then that really that would lower his cap hit again for 2024. So um, that's where Keenan is at in terms of Mike Williams. Again, he's uh, same kind of contract in terms of the the timeline. So um, they cannot cut him next year. You know, next year they would take on a 26 million dollar dead cap hit if they decided to cut him. However, in 2024 they could save 20 million dollars by cutting him. Uh, is taking on a $7 million cap hit. So um, if they wanted to restructure him next year, that's not really a super effective move. They would only save $5.5 million in uh, in cap space. So, um, you know, Mike Williams will be on the roster next year. Keenan Allen will be on the roster next year. It's just a matter of probably restructuring Keenan to uh, free up some cap space. So there you go. Um Unless you guys have a, another question you wanted to get to, I think that's a good place to stop. One more, Todd Miller. For odds we make a move before the deadline, let's go over under 10%. I'll say under. <laughs> <laughs> um, when is the deadline again? No, the first? Uh, yeah, November 1st, I think. So next, it's like not next Thursday, the Thursday after that, I think. Mm. I will say, I think it's, well, I'll go over 10% a little bit just because they're on their bye week now, particularly, and like they can take the chance to reevaluate things. And if they want to make a trade, the positioning of the bye now probably makes it a little bit more likely. But positionally, I don't think they're trading for a wide receiver. I still don't think they're trading for like an edge defender or something. Um, so, I mean, those are kind of the two positions I would look at anyway. And I, I Maybe I'd go like 15. Yeah. If I say over, it would not be by much, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think there's a good chance that they make a free agency move if they yeah. get out there. But, um, you know, they obviously did the Andre Roberts and Dustin Hopkins thing last year. I don't mm-hmm. think it's out of the question that they make some kind of change over the bye week. Yeah. I just, I don't know if it would be a trade. Again, I feel like they have some easy trade targets out there. That would be pretty cheap, you know, throw a six-round pick for Traquan Smith or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, fifth-round pick for Kendrick Bourne, whatever whatever it takes there. But um, oh. it's not super high. I would say, like, again, if I'm going over, I would say, like, 15%, 20%. I, I definitely think there will be some reconstruction at a couple areas of the team. I think the bye week last year was when they decided to pull the plug on the KJ Hill experiment, and then they brought in Andre Roberts. Um, so that yeah. was around that time. So, I mean, there can be some moves made. I just don't think it's going to be, you know, what people want in terms of like a DJ Moore or like any of those kinds of players. What's up, Tyler? What are you looking at? Um, just scrolling Twitter. Okay. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, yeah, again, I, I think they could certainly make a move, but just not, it's not going to be a big one by any means. Um, all right, that's uh, that's going to do it for us today. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Appreciate Arjun for uh, sticking through the first part of the show and doing his uh, analytics presentation. Obviously, great information there. Um, Alex, uh, any final thoughts before we head out for today and uh, ahead of the game tomorrow? Um, 
I pray to the sports gods that we can win a game in these color rush jerseys. They they look good enough to the point where we should be able to win one, and maybe we can just halt the Geno supernova for one week. So I uh, I hope that the Chargers win tomorrow. Go Brett Ripian. Yeah, <laughs> that'd be great for the content, man. Uh, Brett Ripian having a great game would be hilarious. Um, but yeah, you know, I uh, I had a feeling last week that we'd see JC Jackson be back to his normal self. That didn't work out. So uh, just be average this game, my guy. Just uh, don't be awful this week. That'd be fun. Um, but I, like I said, I, I feel okay about this game. I, like I said, I think this is an offensive line, defensive line game. Uh, and I think the Chargers have the edge on both sides there. So um, excited to see how that plays out. Excited to see Morgan Fox, Sebastian Joseph Day, Austin Johnson, and even Jerry Tillery get after it on defense. So uh, should be fun. Um, Tyler, Alex, appreciate it. Again, if you're listening to the audio version of this, please leave a rating or review. Uh, we always appreciate all of the uh, positive feedback on those audiences as well. So uh, we'll be going live pretty much directly after the game tomorrow since it's an afternoon game. So it'll be about 15 minutes, 20 minutes after the game. We'll keep you guys posted, but um, hopefully it'll be after a win. So uh, again, thanks so much for tuning in today and we'll see you tomorrow.